Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. Our Bible reading is taken from Jude, verse 24 to 25. At the end of the reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. Jude, verse 24 to 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bukun, for that um, reading, very short reading. Let's pray as we get into God's word. Lord, we um, are just asking this morning that you help us, even as we sound, Lord, show us Christ. And as you show us Christ, help us, Lord, to be strengthened to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Toki shared with us from Psalm 116 how we are to live in gratitude. And one of the things Toki was saying last week was how, you know, for many of us, coming out of last year into this new year, and even in the new year, there's some, some of us thinking that it's 2021 season two of 2020. And even though it was funny at the time, you know, I've been thinking about that the last few days because it really is beginning to look like season two of 2020, except that it's starting much earlier. Um, so we got news during the week about how the federal government placed, you know, orders for uh, the COVID-19 vaccines. And which is, that's a great thing. That's a, that's a marvelous thing. But then the downer was that it was just 100,000 doses. And I'm wondering, like 100,000 doses in a country of 200 million, you know, that's, that's one to 2,000. Like, when is it going to be my turn? So that's, that's on the local level. And along with that comes a feeling of, you know, certainty with many more news, uh, much more news that we're hearing about, you know, the spread of the virus and disruptions that it's bringing. But on an international scene as well, scale, a lot of us watched the replay of White House down and Olympus has fallen. As we saw people invading what is probably the bastion of, um, of freedom in the world, democracy and people's right to choose government, as we saw Americans rushing into the halls of Congress in the U.S. That's just saying, like, does that... Does that even happen there as well? Should that be happening as well? I know along with some of these questions have been uncertainties on personal levels. Just some of the things we are hearing. Um, my wife lost someone in her extended family to COVID-19 during this past week. And some of you know people as well. Maybe some of you are even actually down at this time with the, with the virus. There's just a lot of uncertainty and our hearts tend to be heavy. Fear, anxiety come to us. Courage, like Pastor Femi shared with us, seems so far away, is eluding us. And we're wondering, is there even hope for the road ahead? Is there hope for the journey ahead? Some of you may know what it's like to travel by road to a very far distance. Say, maybe from Lagos to Kano. 
I know that because I grew up, you know, at the time I grew up in the 90s, a lot more people weren't, um, you know, traveling by air. A lot more people were traveling by road. And so as a kid, we made a journey from Iloring, where I was living at the time, to Kano. And you know that that's a very, very long journey. It's more than 10 hours. And just at the time, you know, it wasn't for me, it wasn't if we would ever get there. It was when we would get there. Why? Because my father was in charge of the car. He was driving us and I was sure that there was nothing that could stop us from getting to that destination. It was just a matter of when. But then fast forward several years later, we have grown up. You know, we are more mature. We've become rational adults. And when someone tells us they want to drive us from, say, Lagos to Kano, the question of many of our hearts is not just when we'll get there. The question is if we'll get there. Because we know as adults that it's not just the expertise of the driver that is concerned with driving or navigating along those roads. It's various factors like, you know, um, good roads, motorable roads, um, favorable weather, um, the condition of the car, security on the road, are arm robbers there or not? the sanity of other drivers, and many more things. We know that it's not just when we'll get there, but if we'll ever get there. And you know, this is how many of us are thinking as we look into the year, but even more so, many of us are thinking like this about our Christian journey. We, we are thinking, it's not just when I'll get there, the question is if I'll ever get there. Because we have not just the uncertainties around us, to uh, bring fear and anxiety into our hearts, but also the, the uncertainties within us. We're very much acquainted with our failures. We're very much acquainted with our struggles. We're very much acquainted with how we are imperfect, the things we are struggling with. But even more than that, we have the failures of other Christians, other revered people around us to make our hearts uncertain. I remember when news broke about a famous Christian who passed on last year about the scandal that he was involved in. Someone sent me a message and the person was, how the, the words the person sent to me uh, by text was, how can I not be full of despair like this? And many of us are thinking that way. How can I not be full of despair as we're already just starting 2021 and the year is looking this way? And you're thinking, Someone may have been optimistic to you and, you know, you're saying, read the tea leaves. If the year is starting this way, how much more the middle, how much more the end? But even more so in your personal life, you're thinking, is there hope that I can actually make it to the end? And if you're like that this morning, feeling anxious, feeling uncertain, feeling discouraged, the word of God that we've just heard read to us in Jude 24 and 25 comes to us as a powerful note of encouragement this morning. You see, Jude has written to the people he's written to in verse 3 to contend for the faith. And in verses 5 to 16, he, he has painted a picture of the kind of people that they are meant to, the kind of people and kind of things they are meant to contend against. And in verses 17 to 21, he's saying to them, guys, this is how you can actually be sure that your own hearts are being kept as well as you contend. But you see, he ends with verses 24 and 25 with a certainty, with a, an assurance to these people that you can be courageous, you can be confident 
that God who has started you on this journey will bring you to the end. And so I've titled this sermon, Courage for the Journey. Courage for the Journey. And we see two truths emerge from these two verses. One, where courage comes from. And two, where courage leads to. First, where courage comes from. And two, where courage leads to. Where courage comes from, the first one. And so we see Jude in verse 24 saying, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And in case you are wondering, who is the him he is talking about? Well, the him is God. We know that because in verse 25, he repeats this same him language by saying that God is the only Savior. God is the only God. And even without rushing ahead, friends, there's, there's, there's a lot here that is instructive to us this morning because we live in a very pluralistic society. We live in a society where there are many paths to God. And, we, and by using that word only, Jude is saying, really, no, there aren't many roads to God. There is really only one God. There is really only one Savior. And if you're not a Christian here and you're thinking, that is so arrogant. This is why I detest Christians. Please don't read it as that. Don't read it as someone who is being arrogant, but read it rather as a gentle warning from someone who is trying to prevent you from actually making a mistake. Because you see, we are not the ones, as we see in the Christian faith, we are not the ones who actually work our way up to God. God is the one who must reveal himself to us. And so Jude is instructing us here that there is really only one God. But you see, moving on from there, when he's saying there is only one God who actually saves us, who actually presents us. There's a tendency for us to think that he's only talking about bringing us into the Christian life, talking about salvation as an initial experience. And while that is true, it is true that God is the one who brings us in. But look at the language that Jude uses. He's not talking about the bringing into the Christian life. He's talking about the completion of the Christian journey. Look at what he says in verse 24. He says he's the one who keeps us from stumbling, who is going to present us before his own presence. And what we see here, friends, is that God not only brings us into the Christian life, but he is all the way ensuring that we are going to complete that journey. It is as though a parent is running with their child. You know how this looks in, in inter-house sports days. And you have a two, three-year-old when they have all those races for two, three-year-olds. And they say, children, run. And oftentimes, parents actually stand beside the children to ensure that they start the race. But they don't leave them there. Because we know that children are prone to wander. They are prone to wander off track. And so they guide them along to ensure that they finish. And that's what Jude is saying here. That God is the one who helps us start, but one who also keeps us. And isn't that a very refreshing thought, Christian? Isn't that a refreshing thought that should actually make your heart sing? That the power that worked in you to bring you into the Christian life is also the power that is at work even right now to make sure that you continue on the journey of being a Christian. And this is massively important because all the things that Jude has been saying in this letter might make one's heart feel discouraged. 
Jude's letter is a really short letter, and if you haven't ever read it, I encourage you to make out time. You can be done with it in less than 10 minutes. But you see, in verse 3, he sets the tone for his letter where he says, Dear friends, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once entrusted to God's holy people. And then he goes on in verses 5 to 16, describing the kinds of people that these believers are meant to come against. And what we see is that there's a very close and intimate relationship between these believers and some of the people that they are meant to stand against and confront. In verse 12, we see that these people are their feast, they're the kind of people that they feast together with other believers. In verse 19, we see that they don't just do bad things to themselves, but they also harm other people. And when Jude says, content for the faith, in effect, he's saying, guys, be courageous. Stand against these people. Don't be afraid of them. And in verse 20 and 21, Jude calls on believers to keep themselves in the love of God, praying in the Spirit. And on the one hand, you're wondering, okay, Jude, you're asking me to do these things. But you're also saying in verse 24 to 25, that God is the one enabling me to do these things. Which is it, Jude? Which, which, choose one. Which is it? And Jude is saying, really, there's no contradiction here. There's no contradiction in you doing the things that I've asked you to do, but also seeing that God is the one working through you to do it. And we know this because this language is repeated throughout the New Testament. So in passages like 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, Paul talks about himself working as an apostle, but he's saying that, no, he wasn't actually the one working and doing the things he was doing. It was God helping him do those things. In Philippians chapter 2, he talks about Christians working out their salvation, but he says that it is God that ultimately enables us and strengthens us. So what we see here is, Even though Jude is asking believers to do something, not just lay on our backs and relax and say, oh no, I don't have anything else to do because Christ has done it. Jude is saying, no, 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 go ahead and do stuff. But he's also helping us to see that God is the one who is actually working through us. And God is the one who is ensuring that all the things he has commanded us, the kind of life he has called us to live as Christians, he enables us to do it. I know this is just so much good news. It's good news because it means that we can actually not pretend before God and admit our weakness. It means that as the year has begun and you are feeling trepidation in your heart and you are feeling afraid and you are feeling unsure and unconfident and and there's no courage. You say, yes, I know that we're meant to be courageous in 2021 and there's no courage in your heart. It means that you can actually come before God and be open and vulnerable and honest and say, God, I need you to help me. I can't do this by myself. You see, too often as Christians, as Lagosians, we actually pride ourselves in how much we can do for ourselves and how much we have gotten ourselves up by bootstraps and all the things on our checklist that we've actually done and ticked off. But if this passage is true, what it means is that we can actually be vulnerable before God. You see, when the Bible calls us to be courageous, when the Bible calls us to be confident, it doesn't call us to be like people, participants in the game of devil's basket. What do I mean? So um, devil's basket, if you don't know, it's a bad game, okay? Hence, devil's basket, all right? Um, So I, I, I went to a school where 
And in many schools now, and secondary schools, the game is pretty popular. And the idea of the game is, so there are a couple of variants. It could be devil's basket or truth or dare. Um, the idea of the game is you pick, there's a, there's a basket with pieces of paper that has been passed around, and you pick something from, from, from the basket. And then whatever you read will ask you to do something. And so if you don't do um, what's, what is contained in the paper, you have to pay a fine or something. And I remember many of the guys then at the time, they would just, like men, it says, eat grass. Like, ah, I can't pay. I can't let my ego, you know, just go like that. People will be looking at me as a guy without courage. And so you just go and eat grass. Or you go and pour water on a live wire and you hold the live wire. Those kinds of stupid things. That's not the kind of courage the Bible calls us to. The Bible does not just ask us to be courageous for the sake of being courageous. The Bible asks us to be courageous because God actually has a mission he's sending us on. God actually has something in mind for us to accomplish. And what we see here, Jude saying to these people is, God has called you to contend for the faith. God has called you to travel along courageously in the journey of faith. And he's going to enable you to do that. So you can actually turn to him and say, God, I don't feel strong in myself. I don't feel bold enough. I don't feel like I have the power. Please help me because these words say that you are the one who is going to present me without fault and with joy in your presence. But also, friends, it means that we can be certain that there is nothing God has called us to do in the Christian life that he's not already given us the power to do it. Or he will not already, he will not give us the power at the moments that we need it to do. In verse 24, he says, he is able to keep us. And we must not think of that word, able to, as though God may decide to keep us or not. Like, maybe he's not feeling too fine at this moment and he doesn't like you because you've offended him. And so, no, I'm not going to keep you. No, no, no. When we come to faith in Christ, friends, when Christ ushers us into the presence of God, we are swept into the arms of the Father and he is 100% for us. We know this even from this very short epistle because in verse 1, Jude says that believers are those who are called, who are loved by God and who are kept by Jesus Christ. God is 100% disposed to you, friends. And so a Puritan named Thomas Goodwin says that in Christ, God is love wrapped up in flesh. God is love wrapped up in flesh. And it means, friends, that there is nothing that God has called us to that he is not on our side to do. The Bible says God is so much for us. He says that when we go through the waters, not just that he will send a word to us. He is right there with us. When we go through hard times, he is right there with us. It is, the Bible describes him as our ever-present help in time of need. You can call on him in 2021 and throughout all of your lives, regardless of how you are feeling. But also... The great news about this verse, about this source of our courage, is that it is not just a reluctant work of faith on God's part. It's not just a reluctant work that God is doing. God is not frowning his face and being begged by Jesus and angels and saying, please help these people now. No, no, no. Look at verse 24, the end. It says, God is going to do it. 
God is doing it with great joy. Can you just ponder and think about this? That all the things God is doing for you right now, all the things that God has gifted you with right now, with breath and with life and with provision and with you know your friends and with community and with the gift of the Holy Spirit and with the blood of Christ that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. God is not just doing those things because he's compelled to. God is doing those things with great joy, with enthusiasm, because he is committed to us. So what Jude is saying to us in these verses is that the source of courage, where courage comes from, is in knowing that this God is a hundred percent for us and he, is, he has enabled us to do everything he has called us to do. How do you find courage for the journey in 2021? It's in knowing this, that this God is on your side. You know, there's a, it's coming to me now. Um, and so if it doesn't work, Forgive me, because it's not in my notes. But there's this song that we used to sing growing up. I have a very big God, oh. He's always on my side. I have a very big God, oh. By my side, by my side. And it's a funny song. You know, it's a, it's a funny song. You start dramatizing. But the theology of the song is great. It's correct. God is on our side. God is 100% for us. He doesn't send us on a project that the the end is not sure. Jude says that he is committed to keeping us. He's committed to presenting us. Like, this is just mind-blowing. Look at verse 24 again. He says he's committed to presenting us before his glorious presence. God, this is crazy. God is the one who is going to stand as the judge on the last day and he's committed to presenting us to himself is the equivalent of someone having who is going to write wike and you've already seen the questions from wike like wike sent you the question before the exam was written and they're saying this is the this is the question these are the questions we're going to ask you we want you to pass the exam read and just study this part and then you have an a in the end this is what god does for us in christ he is ushering us, presenting us before his presence. So can I just ask you, make it a priority to know this God this year. Make it a priority for your heart to be encouraged in faith in this way in God this year. They are not just scrolling through Instagram and checking all the feeds and seeing all the things that are going on. Like, And then your heart is being discipled towards that direction. But rather you are feasting on this God who is committed to seeing all that he has committed into our hands come to pass. This is how we find courage. Make it a priority not to be separated from God's people regardless of all the distractions that are going to come this year. Make it a priority to be in as many gospel community meetings as you can, in as many kingdom prayer days as you can, to visit wisely and safely as much as possible all the people that you can so that you can draw all the strength that you can because God is committed to seeing all that he has called us to and committed into our hands come to pass. But we see also that courage does not just come from somewhere, but courage is meant to lead to something. And so I go to the second point and final point, where courage leads to. So I might be tempted to say, yeah, Jude, this is, this, is, this is marvelous. This is great. Like, wow, this is what God is going to do. You want me to know this? All right. 
Adios. See you later. But Jude is not content to leave us that way. Jude actually is as though you're walking out of the presence of Jude and Jude drags you back by the collar and says, eh, 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 no, I'm not done. Wait. And he says to us in verses 25, he says, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And he ends with, amen. And so what Jude wants us to understand by doing this is that he has described what God is going to do in verse 24 and also showed us God's willingness to do it in verse 24. But then he ends in verse 25 by saying that knowing what God is going to do, knowing where the source of our courage comes from is meant to lead us to praise. Is meant to lead us to praise. And the idea here is like you are in a stadium before the commencement of a football match. And, you know, you, you, you are gathered with um, supporters club of your club or with, you know, the Nigerian National um, Supporters Club. You know, on an ordinary day, the national anthem is, for many Nigerians, is bad, but it's the truth. For many Nigerians, the national anthem on, it, on an ordinary day is just like a song. It's just a song, like, Arise, O Compatriots, like, it's just a song. There's nothing, there's nothing there. But in the setting of a stadium, in the setting of, let's even say, the World Cup, and like we played in 2018, we are playing against Argentina. That song is no longer an ordinary song. That song becomes a rousing anthem. Because you are, it's, it's a song that is calling out a spirit of praise to your country, but also to the players on the field. And you know, just even thinking about that match in, in 2018, we're singing those songs. I, I'm not a football watcher, but there was something rising up in our spirits as we were anticipating what the Nigerian team was going to do. They're going to defeat Argentina. They're going to render them useless and powerless. Well, we all know how that match ended. The match ended leaving us flat with lots of um, heartaches in between. But that's getting at the idea of what Jude is saying here, that this thing, knowing what God can do, is meant to lead us in praise. The same way knowing what mercy can do leads you to praise, leads you to confidence as you watch the team playing. Jude is saying, knowing what God can do is meant to lead us to praise. And this is important because Jude is saying it's not just enough to mentally assent to this truth. It's not just enough to be cognitive to have the facts on your fingers and you can reel off all of these doctrinal details oh like the perseverance of the saints oh and god is committed to us and all of those things no no jude is saying you are meant to live in praise of these things and so he says describing god in verse 25 jude already even begins it himself he says glory majesty dominion authority belong to god glory majesty dominion and authority and he's describing for us four things that paint a picture of god's splendor and what jude is saying here is that this god is not just content to be read about this is a god that wants to be worshipped this is a god that wants us as we journey through life he wants us to be constantly worshipping him bowing down before him but Jude is saying, no, 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 it's not, that's, that's not even where he ends. He says, 
that glory, majesty, dominion, and power belong to him before all ages, that is before all time, and now and forevermore. He spans the length of all time. He says, this God is glorious forever. This God is worthy to be praised forever. This God that keeps believers in their faith. This God that does, that has been doing it before all time began. That has been doing it for our fathers. That is doing it for us now. And will do it for, for those who are coming in the future. This God is God who is worthy to be praised. And he's saying, the courage we get as we journey through life from this God is meant to lead us to lead lives that prison. And can I just urge you, if you're a Christian here this morning, and you're someone who is just disposed to just reading stuff and just knowing stuff and reeling it off of your heads, God is saying to you this morning, I don't just want to be read about. I don't just even want to be spoken about. I want to be communicated as the great God, as the mighty one that I am. It means that we are constantly journeying through life, singing of God's praises. And some of you might be saying, oh, well, yeah, I, I'm not that type. I'm not the singing type. I'm not the talking type. I'm not the one, the crying type, all of those things. Maybe it's true. But I also know that there are many of us who are not the singing type, who are not the shouting type, who are not the you know, crying type, who, when we are watching a football match or when we are watching um, Z-World, we are crying. We are worshipping because we see the beauty of the goal kick or we see the beauty of those characters on screen and they are drawing us in there and they are making us proclaim their majesty. They are making us proclaim their dominion, their authority, their power. And God is saying, if you can do that to those things, if you can do that to those things that are not as half Glorious as he is, how much more the great and glorious God. And Jude is saying, whether or not you are that kind of person, whether or not you are an emotive person, all of us must find ways to constantly be the kind of people who are singing of his praise. And to be fair, this doesn't mean that we journey through life always listening to Christian music or always singing Christian songs, you know, um, and someone asks you a question, good morning, say, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Lord. No, that's, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that our lives must constantly be a signpost declaring how great God is. Friends, God is calling us in 2021 to know that he is the God who gives courage, to know that he is the God who carries us all through our life and all through our journeys, but also to know to declare this, to sing of this, to live in this reality as we journey through life. And so it means you as a parent that you're not just trying to say true things to your children about Christ, but actually that you're calling them, them in to see how great and wondrous this God is. It means in our preaching as I'm standing here, in our leading, in our singing as we have the music team sing to us, in our working through life, at our work, at your nine to five, as you are preparing for that meeting. You're not just going in as someone who has, something has been done to you by God, but you are going in as someone who wants to commend the greatness of this God to other people. So it doesn't mean that you always have to have a tract in hand or something to give people, but it does mean that your life is a signpost, as it were, a billboard. Declaring how great this God is. 
You know, those of you who are football fans, you always find a way to bring it into the conversations that you're having. You always find a way to make something out of that thing, that experience that you watch. And Jude is saying here that this same great God is a God that we must constantly be commending and showing his excellencies to others. So God is calling us friends in 2021. Don't just find your courage in God. That is vitally important. I told David encouraged himself in the Lord. Pastor Femi reminded us last week. But rather also let that courage lead you to singing, to declaring, to living in awe of that great God. But you know, there's also something beautiful in this last verse as well. In verse 25, it says, Glory, majesty, dominion, and authority belong to God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the reason why this is important is because it paints a picture that the way God has gotten glory in our lives, in the lives of believers that he's called to him, is through the person and work of Jesus. You see, if ever there was anyone who had every cause not to be courageous, it was Jesus. If ever there was anyone who had every reason not to journey along the path that God had called him to, to contend for the things that God had called him to, it was Jesus. Because he was the most perfect man who ever lived. And he was to die death for the most imperfect people, ourselves, who ever lived. But in Luke chapter 21, verses 41 to 44, we are told this very real picture of Jesus that gives us a sneak peek of what courage looks like. That courage is not just not being afraid, but courage rather is finding our confidence, our hope in God. And so in Luke 21, 41 to 44, Luke tells us that Jesus withdrew. This is now in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And Jesus, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And this is Jesus here. He's confronted with something that is very huge, that no human being ever faced, and no human being has ever faced since then. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes before God, offering himself as a sacrifice and saying, God, strengthen me to do this thing that you called me to do. And Jesus rises up from there. He's betrayed by his friends. And he goes all the way to the cross to die for you and me. To die for people who are weak. To die for people who are not strong, but yet often afraid to admit it. So that he can call us to his father and so that we can become the kind of people who find courage in him because of what he has done for us so this is the ground of our hope this morning friends not in what the year will present to us not in how we will even deal with the year but rather that we know where courage comes from but also that we know where courage leads to and ultimately that this great god because he has given us christ we can be certain that the ending of the story will be great for listening to the gospel in lagos we pray you've been blessed by this message to learn more about city church visit 
www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.